filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was Guys, I had a, I had a dream a last night, and I know uh, in our lives we tend to hear that phrase at work or wherever and think, oh, God. Um, yeah, uh, I, I tend to have like vivid and puzzling dreams that aren't scary um, and aren't even necessarily meaningful. And this was definitely in that category. It's just sort of a grab bag of things. Um, in this dream, I was flying, I was on a flight to just a standard commercial flight um, to somewhere in the middle of the country, maybe towards the Rockies. Um, Were you at least in economy plus? No, I was in regular coach. I don't even know what that world looks like. Um, I don't have a picture <laughs> it looks of it. It's just like mind, coach, so. but with very slightly more legroom. Oh uh, no, this was regular old coach. Um, but I was, I was flying to somewhere in the middle of the country. And at some point the, the flight went very extremely badly off course. And, ended up having to do a like weird sort of soft crash landing in Ecuador. Um, (laughs) Uh Like I said, extremely badly off course. (laughs) Um, Now Ecuador is mountainous um, and small. uh, And yet somehow this, this plane crash that didn't do me any harm uh, was very easy. Um, I mean, the the plane crash landed, but it wasn't like it slammed into the ground. Um, And, I was the only person on the flight at that point. Um, so everyone else like, had gotten off at an earlier stop. Yeah. Or, or something had, maybe that was part of why we were off. This is kind of the missing scene missing of the dream. Um, but, uh, I was the only person to come off the flight and there was no one injured at all. Um, but in Ecuador, it was a major news story, uh, because this is a strange thing to have happened. And I had to, uh, appear. I don't know why I had to appear, but I had to appear on the news and talk to like a, do like an in-depth interview with the Ecuadorian news in Spanish, which I do not speak well at all. Um, <laughs> and uh, then the interview was immediately about Trump. Uh, and they wanted, basically they wanted to like harangue me about uh, Trump being at the president. And I had to explain in like my halting Spanish that I do not agree with, with Trump on just about anything. Um and that I think he's terrible and I was apologizing. Um, but uh, in the dream, I've got to say, like, my bad Spanish was like an accurate representation of what I would have to say in this like halting moment. I was like stumbling for words, but I was coming up with words that were in the neighborhood of what I wanted to say, which is all I could manage in real life anyway. Um, but yeah, I wasn't. It, the other thing is that that sounds stressful to be on national television in a language you don't speak, trying your best. Um, to explain something while people are mad at you. But I actually felt like rather serene about the whole thing. Um, and that was it. That was the whole dream. So uh, I, if any listeners out there have any connections in Ecuador and Jason is somehow famous down there, I want to hear about it. I want you to to let us know. Filibusterpodcast yeah, at gmail.com. If I've been on the news in Ecuador, please let us know as soon as possible. Uh, because <laughs> that would leave a big chunk of time out of my life unexplained for. 
Um, what if it's like a Homer Simpson kind of thing where it's just somebody who looks exactly like you and okay. you're just famous on Ecuadorian commercials? Okay. So this is, I, this would be either I'm the uh, fishbulb of the Ecuadorian Jason, or he is the uh, fishbulb of me. Is that what you're going for? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think I might have, I might have an cool. explanation for your missing scene. Yeah. Uh, the first time we took our, not even the first time we took our daughter on a flight, the first time we took her on a flight when she was like cognizant of what was going on. She was like two and a half. We were flying to Chicago and she, she got the window seat and we, uh, she would look out the window and she would ask when our next stop was, how many stops until, till Chicago. And we had to explain to her, no, this isn't like the bus. I know we're sitting in rows and it's not like the train or the bus. It's, it's just one shot. We're going straight there. Um, but but she didn't quite grasp the concept. So it's possible you really were on a plane bus as conceived of by my then two-year-old daughter. Okay. Well, and you just, maybe you got on the wrong bus and that's how you ended up in Ecuador. It's, it's happened to a lot of people. Maybe, maybe not the Ecuador the, part, but. Or maybe you were on the cat bus from uh, my neighbor Totoro. There were no Wait. cats in my dream. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Dream Interpreters and Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about soccer. We talk about DC United. Uh, tonight, we're talking about MLS. We're going to dive into the the conference final first legs a little bit. We're going to dunk on the Red Bulls a little bit as a part of that. We're going to talk about some, a little bit of DC United news that, that came out recently today uh tuesday as we record and we're going to answer your questions we we put out a request for twitter box questions earlier and uh you guys came through we got some some good and some not so good questions which is you know that that's pretty par for the course so we'll 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 call that a win before we do anything though ben bromley what are you drinking i'm going with one of kroger's uh finest boxed wines uh, it is the Provisions brand of boxed wines, and we're, uh, I'm drinking a uh, Pinot Noir. And it's uh, my wife and I have decided that Provisions is our current favorite of all of the uh, boxed wines that are available in regular grocery stores, and it's it's decent. It's drinkable. Okay. I was going to ask how you know it's the finest of of Kroger's boxed wines, but I mean we've I don't had know if that's knowledge we've I want. Had, uh, we've not had Franzia. Uh, we've had Boda Box and Black Box. Is that one? My, that is yeah, one. Black Box. I think I I seen it Target. It looks fancier. My mom has has been known <laughs> to drink Franzia, um, which I have not had that one. Yeah. So if there are Franzia troopers never, out there, oh man, uh, Franzia is bad. <laughs> That's what um, I've heard. I have some some Franzia stories, but none of them are respectful of Franzia. Uh, I think they, or I should say, they are the proper level of respect that Franzia deserves. Um, and they involve uh, my roommate from way back when um, inexplicably coming up with this idea where we had a pool table in our, our house at the time. We we got a free pool table that would, the cost was just get it away from my house. So we took it to our house um, and on like a random Wednesday night, he came down with a, he bought a, bo- a box of Franzia and was like, we should do shots of wine every time you miss a shot. But all of us were terrible at pool and it was Wednesday and we said, no, that's stupid. Uh, so he 
sat there with a shot glass and his box of wine and did it anyway. Didn't oh, play no. pool. He did it every time any of us missed a shot. Oh, uh, no. And so he, I don't know how he got himself up because his room was upstairs. He got himself to bed somehow. But the story goes that in the middle of the night, he woke up having to go to the bathroom. He got his 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 room is right next to our bathroom. It shared a wall. So he got into the bathroom and did that without a vent. It was an uneventful thing. Um, but then as soon as he stepped out of the bathroom, he was lost in our house and it was dark. <laughs> and he ended up instead of taking a left to go to his room, he took a right and went into our living room. And I guess I should also add that apparently he slept naked, which is how this is how we found this out oh, no. because he was just naked in the living room the next day uh, on the couch. And at some point someone wandered out there because the couch, the living room and the kitchen um, shared a door and we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what is this? And he was like, Oh, uh, oh beans. Uh, no. Uh, and then he, he went back to bed and then later the, Later that day, he was like, all right, I think I figured it out. And he explained himself to us. And we're like, all right, that follows. But um, you do see why we were against the shots of Franzia. And he was like, well, maybe. I remember after a night out, my roommate, senior year of college, um, the, the, the next day was frantically looking everywhere for his keys. Uh, he couldn't find his keys. And uh, I ended up having to take him to campus like in my car because because he he couldn't find his keys two days later he he finds them in the cupboard where the the water glasses were and he had gotten a ride home he didn't drive himself home uh from the bar the night in question but he figured out that he had felt bad for the cupboard he thought it was getting a raw deal because he was taking a glass out of it and he had nothing to give it in return okay and so he put his keys inside He put his keys inside. That was what he decided his thought process must have been. And then obviously he didn't remember it the next day. Uh, I, Jason, what are you drinking? We're still on Ben. Uh, I, I kind of, kind of tying uh, two threads together here. Uh, I'm drinking wine. Uh, I am drinking a wine called Quattro Gatti, which is four cats in Italian. The photo is uh the photo on the bottle is of a fairly well dressed uh cat in a suit. Um, Are any like of them nice, on an airplane? Well, it's only one cat, but the cat is in like a very nice uh like a winter weight suit. I would say, um, just sort of staring at you uh, with dignity and and perhaps questioning, you know, what are you doing drinking my wine? Um, but uh, it's not bad. It's a, a Montepulciano. Um, it's okay. It's it's the last one from my collection of wines that I've been uh, working on, and it's it's in the upper half, so that's good. Why is it called Four Cats if there's only one cat on the label? Uh, the bottle does not explain why it is Four Cats. It it does say translated literally as Four Cats, and then it talks about uh, you know, what kind of wine it is. So no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm actually drinking something that, that was influenced, maybe even inspired by you two fine gentlemen. Uh, I, I'm drinking an old fashioned that uh, originated on Thursday at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, we, we went to a friend's place with our family and had dinner with his family and well, their family and, and some other friends. And 
other than the main dishes for dinner and a couple of desserts, it was completely potluck. Everyone signed up to bring what they they wanted. The the hosts took care of the the main things, uh, and my wife signed me up to bring uh, fixins for old fashions. Uh, she was inspired by a column in the the Washington Post from their spirits columnist, um, M. Carrie Allen is her name, uh, and and she said an old fashioned bar will save your Thanksgiving if you are with awkward relatives or or even with good friends, uh, and you don't have to face any awkwardness. It's and a you good don't idea. Have a live turkey. I think we'll get into that in the Twitter box, Ben. <laughs> let's let's save it. Let, let's save save it. Do the show in the right order here. Um, and so I brought fixins for old fashions. I, I brought bourbon, rye, brandy, and mezcal. Uh, I, I brought sugar cubes. I made a couple of syrups. One of them, Ben, a was a maple simple syrup that nice. you talked about the other week. Yeah. Uh, I also made a brown sugar allspice syrup that is fantastic. Um, brought an array of bitters and uh, some various fruits for garnishing. Uh, and and tonight I am. Uh, I'm drinking one of those. I, I combined brandy and rye in it, just like Jason, your your friend's mint julep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put in uh, the the allspice brown sugar syrup. I put in some black walnut bitters okay. and uh, a twist of orange peel, and you know, rubbed it on the rim and dropped it in. And it is quite good. It is a very nice. It's it's more of an old fashioned, old fashioned. If you're a long time listener and remember Jason talking about those, it's not you know fruited up, but there's a little bit of uh, citrus peel in there. Yeah, that that citrus peel is probably making a big difference. Yeah, it definitely livens it up a lot. It it's it's the rug that ties the drink together. I would say it's a it would be a fine drink. It'd be okay, but it the the citrus really makes everything kind of sing together. Um, in a real way. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I made some mezcal old fashions on Thanksgiving that were pretty nice too. I uh, used the maple syrup mostly for those. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, my wife knows me. She knew I would have fun with that and also have a story for the podcast. So she, she had no hesitation in signing me up without talking to me first. Uh, and, and she was right. Yeah. Not just for you, but for us. <laughs> there you go. Um, Let's uh, let's get to the one bit of DC United news we have right now. As we record, uh, DC United has not announced who they have extended options on. The deadline was, I believe, yesterday, Sunday, Monday, um, Monday. So yeah, uh, yesterday. <clears throat> excuse me. Yesterday, as we record, was the deadline for all teams except for Orlando to submit their their roster decisions. Orlando got a one day extension because they have a bad GM and they fired him. Um, but DC United typically sits on it for a couple of days. We don't know why, but that's how they operate. We don't have can. the information. Yeah. We don't yeah, know who really they extended. <laughs> it's because they can. <laughs> uh, what we have heard uh, from Steve Goff's reporting at the Washington Post is that Ian Harks is out of contract after two years and uh, will not be extended, will not have a new contract. Uh, and he he doesn't qualify for free agency or the reentry draft or or anything like that. So, but it sounds like DC United didn't make him an offer. So his MLS rights will be up for grab. He will be effectively a free agent because DC United did not go out of their way to retain them, which is really just a going through the motions. Um, it sounds like 
the reason is not that they don't rate him. It's that he's not, they, they like him. They like his game. They like his hard work, uh, his work rate on the field. They just don't see a place for him in the starting 11. And they think that he could do a lot better for himself elsewhere. And so they're going to let him go. Um, whether that's smart business or not, it, it certainly seems like a, a very human thing to do, which I can, I can appreciate. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, from the cold, hard calculus of it, it makes sense. Uh, DC United now has what five central midfielders who are under 25 and under with Segura, uh, Moreno, Canals, and Durkin. So four under the age of uh, 25 and younger. And there's just not a place for him anymore. Uh, it, it, there might have been when he was signed, but the team needed to get better faster. And they went out and did what they needed to do. Uh, I, I don't think he's, I think he's too good to play for uh, DC United's USL affiliate. And if if nothing else, DC United has always been really good about giving players who aren't in their plans a chance to flourish elsewhere. So I'm sad about it, but I think it makes sense for all of the uh, all of the players uh, in this situation. And I don't think if they played hardball, I don't think they were going to get much out of uh, much for Ian Harks on the trade market or on the transfer market anyway. Uh, they might get like a second or third round draft pick, maybe a pittance of allocation if they try to trade him within the league. I think for goodwill's sake and just for ease sake, it's easier to just let him go, let him find his own way and just, just have that goodwill going forward. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the issue I think for, for Harks has become not just the number of players that are competing for those spots, but, um, when United played four two three one, he looked maybe not quite secure defensively uh, in one of those two spots. But when they played four one four one, he was also not necessarily able to make an impact on games regularly. So um, he's kind of caught in between all of that. It, it's just sort of uh, it's been unfortunate. I mean, some of it, you know, you do have to say he, he hasn't come along as much as it looked like he would when he was drafted. Um, not for lack of trying. Um, I know the, the article from Steve Goff mentioned that United says that, you know, it's never been an issue of his work ethic or anything like that in training. It's just, um, where do you put him and, and how do you get him on the field? Um, I'm looking at his, uh, game logs on the league website and in DC United's last 18 regular season games, he appeared once, um, and in most of those, he wasn't even in the 18. Uh, so unfortunately, that's kind of kind of the way it is. Um, it's probably good for him to go find somewhere else where the system might suit him more. Um, it's not like he's uh, lacking in talent. I mean, when, when he was at Wake Forest, he was the best player in college soccer. And it wasn't a um, situation where he was just faster and stronger than everyone is he was smarter and better technically than everyone else coming out in that class. So um, he's still a good player. And I, I hope that he finds um, a good situation. I I think the fact that he's got that English passport uh, being born over there, um, that's probably uh, that's, I assume would be his first look is to um, make use of that, uh, especially while, He's still got time to use it uh, to get looks in the European Union, not just in in England. Um, 
So as long as that clock is open, he should, uh, you know, look after that because there are plenty of places that will need someone like him. And that will be like, no, this is the perfect guy for the way we want to play. Um, it's just that between the log jam of, of central midfielders and the way United plays, it just, it hasn't quite worked out. Um, and sometimes that happens, you know, it's no one's fault. It's just how it goes. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like from Goff's reporting, there's certainly no, I, I, I don't know why the team would have hard feelings, but they, they certainly don't, don't seem to want to stand in his way wherever he wants to go. Uh, so it, it, it looks like he's out the door though. Uh, another, I guess, DC United related item that's coming up is the expansion draft FC. Cincinnati is coming into the league next year uh, and they uh, they are going to have an expansion draft. They they get to choose five players. The teams that had a player selected last year by LAFC are um, exempt from from this year's expansion draft. The can we, league. Can we talk about that mind wrinkle a little bit? That, that's ridiculous. I mean, um, but, well, the whole thing is that the league wants to treat it. Uh, as one expansion right. draft, the LAFC expansion draft is also FC Cincinnati. So the players, except that yeah, the, LAFC has to is involved with in this year's, right? They so have Cincinnati, to protect players. Yeah, Cincinnati can't take players from the teams that LAFC pick players from, but they can pick players from LAFC, which is not how it would have worked if they're the same draft. You can't you can't have a situation where LAFC picks first and then uh, immediately. Uh, FC Cincinnati just takes the player that they took. Uh, oh, that would be fun. Be awesome. I think I think it would be fun to have a white elephant expansion draft. Oh, it would be it would be a lot of fun, but it would be a debacle for a a uh, <laughs> constructing rock, rosters perspective. Um, I mean, it would be an utter farce. It's the kind of thing that belongs on like a TV show about a world similar to MLS, uh, except just a little bit more silly. Um, so, do you think if they ever? It, I don't know if they have done a fantasy football draft on uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but a white yeah, elephant no. draft in that context would make a lot of sense. Oh yeah, that would that would be the way to go, and it would turn into like someone ending up in jail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, the fact that they're 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 insisting that they have to be treated like the same draft, but then allowing LAFC, it just doesn't follow, and it's very obviously doesn't follow. I don't know how they decided like, no, no, let's do it this way where it doesn't make sense. So the draft is going to happen after the playoffs are all done. Um, DC United did not have a player selected by LAFC, so they will have to uh, submit a list of 11 protected players. Anyone who is on a homegrown contract is exempt. Um, I think that includes players that are just coming out of contract. So Ian Harks will not be eligible to be selected by the team that fired his dad after one year as coach uh, in the USL. Uh, Chris Durkin will be exempt. Jalen Robinson will be exempt. Bill Hamid will not be exempt because he left and came back and may have not been eligible because he got a new contract at some point before he left. Anyway, MLS is weird. It, it was never quite clear to me what his situation was. It's clear now he's not exempt from the draft. Um, at least three of the 11 players on the protected list have to be international slots. Um, green card holders and U.S. citizens do not count 
as internationals. So Lucho Acosta, despite being Argentine, he has a green card. He is not, he's not going to count as an international for, for this. Um, Jason recently edited a, a piece that we all contributed to on black and red United of, uh, are protected lists. And I really should have done the work to make sure I had that up on my screen before I started talking about it. I didn't do that. So, uh, I can jump in with mine since I was, uh, too busy to actually throw my list into the piece before. Well, Jason I just wanted to go it. with the, the, the obvious ones, the ones everyone okay. agreed on, um, which they were, they here. were, uh, Acosta, Assad, Hamid, Knaus, Ariola, Birnbaum, and Rooney. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are all easy. There are actually two more. I think that everyone agreed on in the end, Ben, you might not have, um, but th- those were the easy ones. That's what is that? Seven, eight yeah, counting is hard. Seven, seven initially. And then two more got us to nine, um, depending on uh, how Ben felt about uh, Mora and Maddox. All right. So, so one more time since Ben went through the list really quickly, Lucho Acosta obviously has to stay. Uh, Yamil Assad, Again, obviously, Bill Hamid, even more obviously, Russell Knauss, again, uh, Paul Ariola, Steve Burn, Stephen Birnbaum, and and some guy named Wayne Rooney. Um, uh, there, there, there's no question about any of those sticking around. I think some ben, people in our in our listenership might have a question about Birnbaum, but in all reality, that you got to keep him just. Because they've got to build around him for the next season. So yeah, if you if you have if he's he not well. he protected, well he year. he did. And if he's not protected, he's very probably going to be gone. Oh yeah. Oh, he'd be like he, the first person off the board, most likely. Yeah. There's um, MLS there's, center backs that are, that can be trusted to just plug and play with no real fussiness. Uh, yeah. That's, even on a TAM level deal, like yeah. that's easy. Uh, so Ben, who who's on your list for those final four spots? Uh, I think the next, the eighth one, easily is Junior Moreno. He was really good down the stretch. Uh, DC United, if they're going to continue playing the four two three one, needs to lock that down. Uh, he's an international. He played well. I have no question about him. I think he's really easy to protect. And that um, that, by the way, would fulfill the three international requirement. Yamil Assad. And uh, Wayne Rooney are the two internationals on the out of the first seven. So protecting Junior Moreno would uh, fulfill the requirement, the minimum number of international slots. Yeah, and then my last three are Joseph Mora, just because they need a solid fullback. Even if they're going to sign more fullbacks, they need to keep one, and he was solid. Hey, we have Paul Ariola on the roster, dude. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> you know my hatred for that. Don't even joke about that. I can joke about that, or I can joke about a live turkey in your car. Well, I'd prefer a live turkey play fullback than Paul Ariola. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Darren Maddox. I've I've come around on protecting Derek and Maddox just because he's too valuable. Uh, if if they're not going to keep him, he's too valuable for trade bait. And if they are going to keep him, you want to keep him, like even though it seemed like he might have not been the happiest about his role behind Wayne Rooney, you can't 10 goals. I mean, that was his best goal scoring season ever. And so I feel like you've got to protect him just to give yourself options uh, going forward. 
And then my last one came down to Nick DeLeon or Ulysses Segura, and I'm going with Ulysses Segura. I know even though he takes an international spot, I think he is a cheaper and, at this point, more dynamic player than Nick DeLeon. So I went with Segura. Uh, Junior Moreno and Joseph Mora were, I think, unanimous uh, across— Mora and Maddox. Or Mora and Maddox, rather, were unanimous— Wait, who didn't want to protect Junior Moreno? There were two people that didn't list Moreno. All right, I'm not going to put them on blast. You can go to the site and read if you want to <laughs> to see who who made that that decision, which I disagree with. Uh, I think there should have been all but one unanimous then. Ten, ten unanimous names because Junior Moreno, I think, is a very easy call, as Ben explained. Um, but Maddox and Mora were, were also unanimous across the staff. The last spot uh, was, was less. So there were, there were some who wanted to protect Kofi Opare. Some like Ben wanted to protect Uli Segura. Um, I came down uh, wanting to protect Nick DeLeon. Uh, and I know I am, I am the resident Stan for, for NDL, but he's on a, a pretty reasonable contract number. He's uh, a veteran in this league at this point. He's, able to play any position outside of goalkeeper center back, maybe striker, but he, he, you can put him anywhere on the field and feel pretty comfortable that he will do a good job. Um, and, and he, yeah, he's been hurt the last couple years, but, um, they, he just seems like the kind of veteran presence that good expansion teams managed to to grab atlanta had jeff lorenowitz seattle had brad evans um you you get those guys who understand the league and who are good locker room guys as well and and i think that's nick de Leon. and since he would would jump at him hey adam hey ben do you know what the difference is between nick de Leon and uli segura's salaries i don't off the top of my head nick de Leon makes double what Uli Segura makes. He's at 275 and Uli's at 136. Yeah, 275 is not a bad number at this point in MLS. Yeah, you, Uli 5 Segura years at ago. 136. Yeah, but he takes an international slot and those are those are a rare commodity, I think. Those are worth more than or those are worth right around 150k actually. Depending on the time of year, it can go up and down, but that's that's about the going rate. So I think that that I, I think since he would pass on him, especially since outside of DC, there there's a perception, uh, as Matt Doyle put it, that Uli Segura is bad at running, shooting, and passing. So it, I I think the demand for him, I think he's less likely to be selected than Nick DeLeon. I really do. Uh. For my list, I mean, I I, I started with Maddox. Um, I feel like either Cincinnati would want him directly or they would have several teams trying to orchestrate deals to get him uh, and Cincinnati just picking him up and then making him a trade, a trade immediately. Um, I think if he's unprotected, he's gone. So um, Cincinnati's a conference rival, like just from a basis of, of – uh, not giving them any good help and also to have a say in whatever happens with Maddox. I know there's a lot of theorizing about whether he wants to stay or go and et cetera, but um, United should probably be trying to have some say in the matter. Um, so yeah, you protect him. Um, Mora, 
more developed into a solid left back and every MLS team is, is constantly looking for left backs that are reliable, um, more or less reliable. So uh, yeah, you protect him that covers the um, Mora covers the international um, requirement for my list. Moreno was on right behind him uh, for the reasons you guys said. Um, I think that one's a, a no brainer as well. Um, it's really the last one. It's the only one that, that gave me much pause at all. Um, you know, De Leon, uh, you've got to worry. He's played less than 20 games in the last two seasons or in each of the last two seasons. Um, O'Neal Fisher looked pretty good right before he got injured, but his injuries can keep him out till the summer. Uh, Kofi Opare, we might not see until we might not see in training until after the preseason is over, which essentially it's almost setting him back another couple of months just to get fit after that, um, to catch up with the group. Um, so those none of us, none of us have mentioned Zoltan Stieber. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think Stieber's in the running, if not for his salary, which is four cents under a million dollars. Um, right. I, I think every, uh, Leanne wanted, uh, she did mention that she wanted uh, Stieber to be protected, but it was, she admitted it was not necessarily for um, uh, data reasons or, or anything like that. Um, and, and, you know, if he's cheaper then yeah, he, he's probably in the running, but at a million dollars, um, there's no way Cincinnati is picking him in my opinion. Um, you know, Segura is also in this group where it's like, you know, there are positives, there are reasons that Cincinnati might be interested, but there's also things that might keep them from making that move. They might just be like, well, you know, we've, we can find that guy elsewhere. Um, maybe they just see Segura and think like we could probably find an American Segura and pay the same amount of money and not have to use the international spot, whatever. Um, they're all, it's, it's pretty, you're, you're, you know, it's pretty, it's all pretty, uh, down to the, down to the finest of grains here. But, uh, I, I went with De Leon because he can play right back. He can play left back. Um, he can play in the midfield. Teams are always going to look for a guy like that, that they know, it's not, it's, it becomes something that the expansion team doesn't have to worry about. And we've seen the teams that get those sort of bases covered uh, do well, whereas the teams like Minnesota and Orlando come in and they leave themselves with things to worry about and they're Minnesota or Orlando. Um, granted, Cincinnati hasn't hired Adrian Heath uh, during this yeah. recording, so um, they've avoided that particular pitfall, but um, yeah, I, I think you can make a good case for De Leon or for Segura um, and we've seen teams in the past, you know, um, Atlanta took Zach Lloyd on the hope that he might come back from a long-term concussion problem. Um, so they could look at Fisher or Opare and say, um, we'll deal with the first part of the season, not having those guys available to have them around for this year and, and probably the year after. Um, they're both inexpensive players. There's a lot, there's a lot to like if you're an expansion team, but I think ultimately the player, that's most likely to get selected in that group of players is daily owned. So I would protect him. I think that's all we have on, on that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about the conference final first legs and uh, answer your questions from the Twitter box. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, 
Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. The first legs of the MLS Conference Championships are in the books, and uh, they were very different games. One one series has it all left to play for. One series is all but done. Uh, and we're going to start there because anytime there's bad news for the Red Bulls on the field, it's, it's good news for my heart. And uh, the Red Bulls got some very bad news on the field. On uh, on Sunday, they went down to Atlanta and lost three to nothing in one of the in a game that played out differently from I think the way anybody expected it to. Um, Jason, Adam, are you, had you a, saying Adam? Are you? Let me butt in. Are you literally saying that the devil went down to Georgia? Yeah, I suppose. Suppose I did, and the, the, it ended up the same way for him. Actually. <laughs> uh, it, it, it turns out Johnny Five Stripes uh, can play the damn violin really, really well. Uh, Atlanta three to nothing over the Red Bulls. Um, fantastic choreo, tifo, whatever you want to call it, before the game, which uh, it turned out was entirely funded and organized by the supporters groups, um, which makes it even more impressive. The entire stadium, seventy thousand people, were involved. It, it was a lot of black, red, and gold. Um, but, but it was the, the story on the field. They, they came out and they, uh, the Red Bulls were, I, I mean, they, they had a gold disallowed correctly for offside on video review. But other than that, they, they seem to be not really in the game. Jason, you had a great tweet for um, the way the teams came out tactically, unlike anything anyone was expecting. Yeah, uh, early early in this game, you know, everyone's talking about how the Red Bulls high press everybody and that they've high pressed Atlanta to great success in previous meetings, um, and that you know people were hoping to see Atlanta try and attack them, and that uh, the Red Bulls would press them, and it would be this real fast, uh, high tempo game. It'd be very exciting for everybody. Um, but both teams ended up seeing that the threat from the other side. And backing down. And so we ended up with Atlanta playing a lot of longer balls towards Joseph Martinez, who is like five foot seven. Um, And we saw the Red Bulls in this very tentative mid block um, 
where they they did not really I mean people are calling it a mid block like that was what it was for 90 minutes there were stretches of this game where it was a straight up low block uh bunker this was no different from what DC United had tried to do in Atlanta previously where they sat deep um and and tried to wait Atlanta out and hit them on the counter um and so for the first 30 minutes of this game nothing happened it was really boring um I actually right when Martinez scored a goal was about to tweet that I looked up and I was like going to say that like I looked up at the clock thinking that halftime was close and there's still so much time before halftime <laughs> um, because there was just nothing going on, um, which, you know, as much as everyone wants to dunk on Chris Armas for getting his tactics wrong, if you go to Atlanta and play half an hour and have just nothing happening, that's a pretty good half hour of soccer for your team um, in MLS. That's that's a, a good recipe. Um, but they let the goal, you know, the goal get goes in because um, I think Martino deserves some credit for not not necessarily his tactics, but where he put the players that were on the field. Um, having Lorenowitz play that uh, right center back spot instead of uh, Franco Escobar meant that he had a better passer in that spot. And over the time with the Red Bulls sitting deep and sitting deep, you eventually end up with those in in the way Martino had his team playing. You end up with es- or, um, Lorenowitz and Gonzalez Perez having a ton of the ball, um, and, and a ton of the ball in the attacking half, even right. And, and you know, Chris Armas. There was an article I think Dylan Butler wrote on MLS Soccer quoting Armas's explanation, which is actually um, I kind of recommend people go read it because Armas gave us more of an explanation than most coaches ever give. He was actually saying he cited. Um, past data that they had looked at about the percentage of how many passes Atlanta was playing long compared to their normal um, their normal approach. And, and this was something that they saw in Atlanta and felt that it was, um, you know, it, it's safer to have Lorenowitz and Gonzalez Perez getting a ton of touches. Um, but the reason I think Martino still came out the winner in that that regard is that he still ended up with a midfielder who has a a long range pass from time to time that he can actually pick a ball out Um, rather than Escobar, who's more of a right back, right wing back. um, He's a little more straight ahead. Um, And so not having Escobar trying to pick those passes out, but Lorenowitz ended up being, I mean, that's where the goal comes from. And I think it really underlined why you would do that rather than having Lorenowitz in central midfield and Julian Gressel out on the right and Escobar at right center back, which is what the um, announcing uh, duo was calling for frequently. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's a good process from Martino and the outcome justified it very in a very clear manner because it's an assist on a goal. Um, But yeah, I, I think from that point, the Red Bulls never you know, having that goal wiped out was maybe that was going to be their one real moment of pushback. And, and normally that team doesn't, they do really well at reacting when the um, news in a game is bad. They're one of the toughest teams, maybe the toughest team to get off their game in terms of their mentality. But that VAR decision really seemed to kind of take something out of them. And Atlanta has got a history of getting up one, nothing. And then maybe the 75th minute still one, nothing. And then they beat you three, nothing. And this was exactly that kind of game. They, they score a ton of goals in that last 20 minutes because they just tire you out. Um, and the Red Bulls don't and, get tired a lot, but they were tired in this game. Yeah. I've never seen, uh, 
jogging on defensive plays like the Red Bulls at the end of this one. Um, and Tudo Vialba came in as a sub and just tried to go ham. He hit the post before he scored that last goal, which was a worm burner. That finish on on his goal was really good, especially for what a short swing back he has mm-hmm. on it. It's just there's so much speed on it. It makes no sense. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy the Red Bulls lost three to nothing. Uh, I think uh, five thirty eight gave them a six percent chance to turn it around at home, and you know the Red Bulls could beat Atlanta three to nothing. Hopefully, at, at least in a, a vacuum in a one game thing, you could see that happening at Red Bull Arena. Hopefully, with the the three nothing lead, they can Atlanta will uh, play smartly and you know beat the Red Bulls outright, or at least not lose in a way that lets the Red Bulls advance because nobody wants that. Even Red Bulls fans know they don't want it. I certainly don't want them to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At West, we had uh, essentially the first half hour of this game writ large for 90 minutes. Uh, Not a lot happened. Actually, rewinding to go back. uh, Should we talk about that VAR decision a little bit? At least just... Yeah, why not? Uh, I, I think we all agree it was the right call. Um, there's a free kick sent in. Uh, it ends up falling to uh, Bradley Wright Phillips uh, several yards out from goal. He he makes a great finish, uh, puts it in the back of the net. But Alex Muil had run offside and was standing exactly between Wright Phillips and the ball and where Brad Kuzan was positioned in the goal, which... His positioning probably left a lot to be desired, but Muil was screening him 100%. And it's not something the referee might have been sure he saw. It's certainly not something the assistant referee would be able to see. Uh, Muil was still also pretty far out from goal, but screening the the shot nonetheless. It, it so happened, though, that there was a camera directly behind the goal looking straight down at it, and you can just see the line uh, of sight being completely blocked. Um so I know there was some disagreement about it on on Twitter, but uh, I think most people came down on this being the right call, and I know I do as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's definitely a narrow call, but the replays are pretty clear. There's the camera behind the goal that shows that Guzan's view is screened. And there's the, a pretty good replay from the sideline showing that Mouille is definitely, he's only about a step or, or so beyond the last defender, but he is a step or so beyond the last defender. Um, it is kind of frustrating to see Kevin Stott basically allow every borderline thing in the game to just be completely unpunished. And then for him to be like, no, but this one, uh, you got to do something about that. Um, but that's just leaving them all for VAR, Jason. Come on, right? He just he he was taking the game off unless uh, he got the phone call from VAR. It was just ninety minutes of jogging around aimlessly, waiting for the uh, the noise in his ear to be like, "Hey, hold on a second. Um, yeah, Kevin Stott doesn't belong in an MLS conference semifinal. Um, I know MLS PRO. Game. Yeah, really. Um, I know PRO doesn't hand those out at random. It's a it's a reward based on their internal metrics. I think their internal metrics need to be revised. Um, Cause you know, early in the game, you know, the uh, more I, I know I mentioned it and I know a, f- a few other 
longtime MLS watchers mentioned, it's like, is, is this, are we really going to do this with Kevin Stott in this game? Um, and we did, we did do that. Um, fortunately he got this one correct. Um, he did let a lot of other stuff go. There was a tackle that, um, uh, Michael Murillo put in early in the game that just, uh, I want to say it was, um, Greg Garza that just went flying, uh, like, like head over heels flying through the air. Um, and, and Stott called it. I, I don't even know if he gave a foul or a throw in because the ball went out of bounds as well, but it was just like, this is clearly a dangerous tackle. Why aren't you doing anything? And it's it's Kevin Stott. It's just what he's going to do. So going back out West, uh, Portland and Sporting KC played to a nil-nil draw. There there was a uh, a goal disallowed in this one as well for offside. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also on, on VAR, um, this one was direct offside. Uh, however, where, where the ball was played in and the, the guy who touched the ball had been in an offside position. Um, the assistant referee did not raise his flag in real time, but as soon as the ball went into the net, raised his flag and got on the radio and said, this is what I saw. They're told to let it go uh, on borderline calls and especially like when it could be bang, bang, a goal goes in right after you would have raised the flag and he let it go and then flagged it so that it could be reviewed. Um, and, and VAR said, yeah, it's offside. So again, VAR <clears throat> gets it right. Uh, and, and kudos to the AR for not overzealously flagging uh, the, the play. That's yeah, what can... I have. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say you, uh, you can't hold VAR back anymore. You got to let it go. If you love it, let it go. And if it overturns a goal, it loved you the whole time. Is that how the saying goes? No, I was going for the frozen reference. Nah, I, I, I mostly block out frozen, let it go references just because they're, that's just English at this point in my house. <laughs> I, I wonder how long this could have gone on before I would have figured out that you were talking about frozen <laughs> an hour, two hours. Who knows? Next time. Next time. <laughs> That'll be our next yeah. episode. An interminable attempt for Jason to figure out uh, childhood movie references. Gaslighting Jason about childhood movies. Yeah, the cold never just... bothered Jason anyway. The thing is, if, if you're gaslighting me, it, I'll just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I accept it now. That's canon. Uh, speaking of gaslight, I'm really excited for the new uh, Mary Poppins movie. That comes out right before Christmas. I mean, Lin Manuel plays a lamplighter. He actually lights gas lamps in the movie. So, um, anyway, Sporks and and Timbers, Scoreless Draw. We, we've said enough in Portland. Well, <laughs> it, it goes. There's Who's a second leg. There? There's a second leg. It's in Kansas City. <laughs> the Sporks will probably win. Um, Jason, anything more nuanced than that to add to this? Uh, I thought this game had more life to it uh, during the, you know, the first 30 minutes of the the first game was. It was going to put me to sleep at some point. Um, this game is at least up and down. Um, Kansas City was not high pressing either, but they were making having a little more success, creating counterattacking opportunities. Um, it's kind of that weird thing with them. You know, Diego Rubio was suspended. 
Um, and so they've been doing this thing where they play Kyrie Shelton as a starter most of the time and then bring Rubio in off the bench. And Shelton almost never scores. Uh, and Rubio frequently scores as a sub. But for whatever reason, they've been more effective with Shelton starting games and then bringing Rubio in. Um, this In this game, they just knew Shelton had to be the guy for almost the entire game. They could have, I guess if he got hurt, they could have moved Daniel Shallowy into the middle. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, they they survived the worst stretch of it. There was that stretch or that period of time where Jorge Villafania hit the post. Um, they were defending in their box a lot, but I, th- I think Tim Melia, ha- he had to make a couple really big saves, but it wasn't like he had to make a ton of really big saves. Um, and I think that kind of emphasizes the the gap between those two teams is that, yes, Kansas City had to defend a lot, but I never felt like they were super uncomfortable. They were close to being uncomfortable, but they weren't quite there. Um, and I think when we get the second legs on uh, Thursday, I think they're going to make Portland uncomfortable from the first second and eventually break through. I, I don't, I honestly think they're going to get their first goal in the first 15 to 20 minutes and the game is going to be effectively over from there because um, I think if the Timbers don't get an away goal to take the lead, they're never going to get out from under all that pressure. But we, you know, we've seen Kansas city make this home leg difficult before they uh, got a very good result against RSL and then almost screwed it up against, you know, an Albert Rusnakless RSL. So I'm still a little dubious about whether they can put it together, but I do still, if I had to bet money on it, I would bet on RSL or I'm, I'm sorry, Kansas city getting, you know, a two nothing and uh, kind of, kind of unceremoniously getting themselves to MLS cup. Yeah. I could see them winning one, nothing. I could see them winning three to two. Um, I could even see the outside, like where, where Portland comes in, plays really well, doesn't make any mistakes. And uh, Kansas city gets a bad call here or there um, or, or loses control and, and it either goes to penalties or, or they lose outright. But I, yeah, the most likely thing what is if, that it, Sporting it went, Kansas City is going to Atlanta. What for if it MLS went to penalties and it again ended up with uh, all 11 players having to take penalties, but this time uh, the result was switched? So I guess Kansas City would now have to name a bar in their stadium or some other stadium thing after this event. <laughs> what if we make, what if all, after all 11 uh, players shoot their penalties, we make coaches take the next penalty? That would so, be very interesting. Who would you have, Vermees or or Savarese? I think to take a penalty. Vermees, I think Vermees would raid, shoot it like into orbit. <laughs> the thing is, he could do that while it goes through the net too. He could just true, true. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking going all the way back to when the both of them played for the Metro Stars, and there was a um a, a fairly famous shootout back then against DC United, where um the I guess. MLS had not codified whether you had to submit a shooter order or just put three, three guys forward, to take the first three shots. Um, and everyone else up to that point had been assuming there was an order and the Red Bulls had, or the Metro stars had realized that um, you didn't have to sh- send them in order. And so um, Vermes shot out of order, according to the perspective of everyone else. But uh, I guess there wasn't anything to stop them. Um and he managed to put his away because he had been before he moved to center back. He had been a forward um, because back in the nineties, you often saw guys move from center forward to center back uh, as they slowed down. But um, 
I don't think this is an MLS style shootout scenario, unless Ben, unless you want it to be. I mean, not a '90s style shootout. I, yeah, I want a yeah, yeah. I want a traditional a, penalty kick. A traditional penalty kick, just yeah. with Cervesi and Vermes taking the last kicks. Do they get to change we, out of their dress shoes, or do they no, have to go no. as dressed? As dressed. Okay, so who's playing uh, goalkeeper? Are they playing goalie against each other as well? No, against the real goalkeepers, I think. Okay. Um. I'm guessing that in a scenario in which uh, they had to, there there was even the outside chance of a penalty that both of them would have shown up with full kit, shoes. full yeah. kit wankers. <laughs> or, yeah, um, it would be like watching baseball managers and the inexplicably wearing a full baseball uniform, <laughs> even though they're like a seventy year old man. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think both of those two would would get around the shoe issue by uh, showing up dressed for playing. Um, which would be funny in its own right, um, but uh, although they should wear like a, like a full dress outfit, but then just cleats with it, right? Or like right. dress cleats. There's got to be dress like, cleats, like right? all black. Just you know, all black leather. I think they're called yeah. golf shoes. Um, well, that wouldn't be good for soccer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking that in the end, what happens is Melia makes a save on a penalty because that's what he does anyway. Um, so Severese is probably the guy that I think misses because it's it's Tim Melia he's up against. All right, and uh, the spirit of that question takes us into the Twitter box. We got several questions over Twitter for this, um, a couple of which have to do with uh, putting goats in people's trunks and uh as opposed to live turkeys um in one of them from from dc josh at josh redshaw on twitter asks ask at filibuster dcu what would be worse for adam a trunk full of turkeys or a trunk full of goats and i i would say the goats would probably be worse um they're bigger Louder, they, they they they're, they're smellier they're um they they are probably more likely to jump around and just go crazy inside the vehicle. Your cables. And remember, I drive an SUV. I don't have like just a standalone trunk um, that that's separate from the rest of the car. So yeah, and they they'd also yeah like Ben said they'd eat your car from the inside out. Yep. Uh, so so I would say goats would be worse than than turkeys, and that's not just my bias speaking. Um. Question from Nicholas Romayo uh, on Twitter asks us which other player besides Bill Hamid uh, came through the DC United Academy to play for the first team. Um, this is, you know, a little bit of history, little little background on the team. I know a lot of longtime listeners will probably have the list, you know, just in their heads, but it's still worth going at because we, you know, there are younger fans as well out there. Uh, Bill Hamid was people might have forgotten. Go, yeah. Bill Hamid was the the first homegrown signing. Andy Nahar, who plays Champions League soccer for Anderlecht, um, also in. came came through the academy. Yeah, God, what a what a signing he would be coming back home. Uh, I would love it. Uh, I, I don't think he's done in Europe by any stretch, but I would love well, it if he came and w- back. And wing is wing is not a terrible need right now. So right now, you remember what position he played before back. he left, right? Yes, and I I also don't want that. I'm I mean, not, if you have I'm both Paul Ariola and Andy Nahar, you put Andy Nahar right back. That is a terrifying right side. Still don't want it. Uh, 
Ian Harks, who's on the team, came was a homegrown, came through the academy. Jalen Robinson as well. Chris Durkin, obviously. Um, you also have Connor Shinoski, who I think is in Richmond now. Is that right, Ben? Uh, yeah, he was this season, yes. Uh, he came through the academy, went on loan a bunch, never quite broke through with the first team, uh, ended up playing in, in USL. Uh, another one, Michael Seaton, uh, who, who came up through the academy, uh, signed, looked, looked like he was on a really good trajectory, and then it took a turn after he, he signed a pro deal. And uh, he eventually got traded to Portland, was unable to to break through there and i think last was playing for the orange county blues in usl is that yeah, right uh, orange see, county, see, that that organization has changed names like four times since they were the blues um <laughs> but yeah he actually had a really good season in usl um yeah uh so maybe he's finally um you know finding himself a little bit it just took a little time yeah and he needed he needed minutes and he wasn't getting those this is I uh, I think you're going to see a lot more signings coming up with Loudoun County uh, coming online as a, a destination at a lower level than MLS for, for those guys Jaylen? to, I said Jalen. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Um, you, you can get play homegrown players in and, and that's how the Red Bulls use Red Bull two up there. They just stock it with uh, a bunch of homegrown players and then USL players who may or may not, who, who have a chance of being able to make a jump up to MLS and they play very well as well. It's not just give the young guys minutes and who cares if we win or lose it's give the young guys minutes and go out and win the game as well. So it's uh, that seems to be the model that, that Loudoun County is going to operate on. And that's a good thing. Um, I, I hate the Red Bulls, but they found the right operation for that. So I think you could see a lot more, homegrown guys uh, coming through in the near future. Uh, did I miss anybody? Did I get them all? Uh, Colin Martin. Oh, Colin Martin. Yeah. Who, who just had his contract option picked up with Minnesota. So he's going to be sticking around uh, for the loons. Uh, I shouldn't have missed Colin Martin. I apologize. Kind of Eric Williamson, but not really. Yeah. yeah. Eric Williamson came up through the Academy, but, had his pro rights or his homegrown rights traded to Portland. And uh, Jean-Christophe uh, Kofi is in the same scenario, but he was traded to the Red Bulls. Right. right. Um, but yeah, it's, we might not see those kind of trades made too more, too much more often since mm-hmm. uh, there will be a place for them, those guys to play rather than uh, having to go find some other MLS team to give them a deal. That's mostly them playing in the USL. Um, so that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah, I think those were both different kind of situations, too, because it, it sounded like Eric Williamson didn't want to sign with DC United and might have explored options outside of MLS um, had the, the trade not happened. And Kofi, the Red Bulls, wanted badly right. and came in and, and pushed for him and, and paid for him. So th- those were both kind of different situations. Hopefully Loudon makes it more palatable for for players to sign with dc and makes dc a better destination for them and also um dc united will have to stock loudon county united and will not want to trade players away even if competitors are uh rivals are are willing to pay for their rights uh speaking of trades myrrh 
at, at Mer DCU asks at filibuster DCU, what kind of trade value would we get in return for Darren Maddox if traded within MLS uh, or, or sold outside the league? Now, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know if I don't know if the, I can't guess what a outside the league transfer might get. He's what he's pushing thirty over thirty, something like that. Or am no, I no, making no. that up? That's he's a new, couple years too old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, still, I don't. I don't think he has that much of a outside MLS pull right now. Inside MLS. Uh, I mean, yeah, he got 10 goals this year, but this is, that was his best goal-scoring year ever. <sighs> Some GAM, not a life-changing amount of GAM. Uh, I don't think it would it would be a tidy deal if they moved him, but I don't think it would be team-changing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to judge what his value is outside the league. Um, I think in some ways, him playing for Jamaica... Um, coming off of a 10 goal season and just the general, you know, he's fast. He's, he can jump through, uh, out of the building. Um, those things all, they look pretty good. He can play out on the wing if you need him to as well. Um, that's the kind of thing that like a Scandinavian team or someone in the Swiss league or something like that, uh, they might, they might be willing to pay uh, a bit more than maybe we think um, for, for a player like that, because they're thinking, this guy is going to be our starting center forward. Um, so it's, it's hard to gauge though, because they might also be like, yeah, but he's, it took him until he was 28 to score 10 goals in MLS. So he's not going to get any better. Um, so it's really difficult to gauge out there. I think in MLS, um, there's always been a market for a player like Maddox. And the fact that he's coming off of his best season, I mean, he scored 10 goals in basically 50% of a season um, because he wasn't playing very much at the end of the year. Um, or I guess he scored nine of those goals and then he got the 10th when Rooney arrived. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in MLS, his deal, his value might be a little more reliably high. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm agree with Ben that you shouldn't be sitting around expecting, um, you know, a, a best 11 caliber caliber starter or even, um, you know, someone that made the all-star team, you're probably not getting them from Maddox. It's probably going to be, if he gets traded, um, some mix of Gam and Tam, probably 200, 300,000, something like that. Um, yeah, maybe a draft pick thrown in. Um, right, especially since people seem or probably know that it's a situation that needs to be resolved for DC, so there's a little less leverage because it's a known quantity rather than it being a... People think they're getting a uh, getting in on something that no one else knows about. I think everyone kind of knows that there's something happening there, right? Maddox, he he wants more playing time. I think everyone knows that he wants to be a starter in this league. And if uh, a team can come along offering that, then and and willing to pay for a starter in this league, it would be it could be worth listening to for for DC United. But DC United needs forwards who aren't Wayne Rooney as well. He's not going to be able to play every minute of every game next year. And Darren Maddox is a very good option right now for that second, uh, kind of second string, um, which I know is not how he envisions himself, but you know, this is one where, where the team might have to look out for itself. Um, let's see. Next question. Uh, Following up on that, uh, 
we have a question from at V Menderada, Vikas Menderada on Twitter, uh, asks us what we think of trying to sign Juan Aguadello if Darren Maddox is moved this offseason. Uh, no. I have a much less strong reaction than that. I, I was more intrigued. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the problem with Agudelo this year was that um, it wasn't really a problem with him. It was that Brad Friedel wants um, high pressing, hard working players first. And it's all he really cares about in that spot. Um, and, you know, to his credit, he got more out of Teal Bunbury than I think anyone would have imagined. Um, but it is a, completely different style of play than what suits Agudelo, which is actually kind of like a lesser version of what Rooney does playing alone up front. Um, obviously he's not in Rooney's class, but he's still a pretty good player and he does play center forward and, you know, center forward, not out on the wing as, as the revs often used him. Um, they also used him as a number 10, which I think goes to your I point would, of being much more like Rooney. Right. You know, he can he can drift off that front line and combine and be a little less predictable. Um, I don't have any idea. I didn't look at his salary at all. So I don't have any idea what that would be, whether it would be um, taking up a bigger uh, cap hit. Um, I also don't know exactly what Agudelo would feel about coming here and knowing that he's definitely not going to be a starter. Um, he, he would get spot starts at best. Um so, you know, it's it's a tricky a tricky thing as far as that goes. But in terms of the fit... Juan Aguadelo, um, by the way, I uh, just looked it up, around 600000 guaranteed. Okay, that's a little bit much. That's a little expensive. That's so that kind of... That changes things. Um, at that price tag, no. Um, but in terms of just if you push the money out of the door, I actually... I think it's kind of an intriguing fit. It's just at that price, it's way too much. Yeah, I think if the team uh, is willing to dip into discretionary TAM to pay that down, it becomes a lot more palatable because he's he's super skilled. We know that we've seen back when he was a teenager on the Red Bulls, we we saw him kill United a couple of times with just his skill and athleticism. Um, I'm just and I think that he uh, be in the same place as Maddox and not want to be second fiddle right. behind Owen Rooney. A perfectly. But I, perfectly reasonable thing to be concerned about. Yeah. That said, we've seen a, yeah, I, I, I think if the right offer came along for Maddox, I don't think Ben Olsen and Dave Casper are going to move him just because they think he could be a problem because he wants more playing time. It would have to be the right offer. And Aguilera would have to be available for the right price as well. So it'd be a, it's intriguing as an option, but it would require a very specific chain of events. And I'll just add that every time without fail, every time that anyone brought up uh, perceived issues with Maddox, as far as his attitude, um, Ben Olson always said across the board that he hasn't caused any problems. He's been a great guy in the locker room. We know he's not happy, not playing, but we, we don't necessarily want guys that are content to just be not playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it, there's the there's the difference of what Maddox is actually like versus what everyone perceives him to be. And I think there is a gain. I'm not saying that I know exactly how it's going. And, and Olsen could obviously be saying one thing and a different thing could be happening because that's how every coach in every sport would would handle that situation. It, it would be definitely a thing that they would consider just being like, well, let's just say it's fine. 
um, so that we don't have one more issue to deal with in the papers, um, in the papers, as if that's uh, <laughs> how people talk anymore. Yeah, we, um, we worry about the back pages here. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it could be that he's just covering that up, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and I think, I mean, the best case scenario, in my opinion, is to try and keep Maddox around and just see if if he can be satisfied in that role, because I do really like the tactical possibility of when we saw Rooney drop in and play the eight um, and Maddox come in as a 10, that's a really dangerous late game changeup. Um, and that's, uh, that's a downside of someone like Agudelo. If you bring in just a lesser version of Rooney, you're not really changing the look uh, as much as you are by having someone like Maddox, who's more direct into the point. So, you know, there's a lot going into it. Uh, it's not just a matter of, this guy might not be happy. So let's move him along. Another question uh, on the subject of Darren Maddox, who, who seems to be the focus of a lot of uh, thought right now among DC United fans. Can, are we allowed? Oh, this is from a uh, Nate at NF lane 23 on Twitter asks us, can we make trades before the expansion draft? It seems smarter to move Maddox now than have to protect him to be able to get any value. And there, there Half is trade window. Yes. The, the vaunted, the, the not quite famous half day trade window right before rosters lock again for the expansion December draft 9th this year. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be very shortly after MLS. I feel like Cup. it's always the Monday after MLS cup. Yes. So, so that Monday there, there could be some action. There might be nothing. It might, nothing might happen, but uh, even with the, you know, rosters frozen right now, teams can still, you know, get, get things lined up and, and get things in place and arrange deals up to the point of actually submitting them to the league. Right. And then Uh as soon as the window opens, you can fax the paperwork. I don't know if they'd use faxes. I know they do. In, at they least very recently, they faxes. they did in England. Yeah, they might still use faxes for whatever reason. Um, I mean, if English, if gigantic English clubs are still having to use fax machines, then um, MLS is not above it. But you know, the the actual uh, nuts and bolts of how to complete a transfer, I, I would love to get a chance to see it, but I don't think that's going to happen um, unless you know just storm. If Minnesota says they need a new GM, they could appoint me, and then I would have to learn on the job, and that would be an adventure. Or Orlando. Um, yeah, what if Orlando hired you? Uh, I I think it would be a, a fun time for me until I got fired very quickly. <laughs> I would call Ben and ask for what he wanted me to do for at least a day. It'd be like, Ben, today's your day. What do you want to do to Orlando <laughs> as an organization? Sign Will Johnson to a 15-year extension. <laughs> they might do that on their own. TAM level extension, remember. DP. This is important. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I think Darren Maddox is unlikely to move, but um, th- there could be some other things happening there. If there's a, a good landing place for Ian Harks, for instance, and a place where he's willing to sign a contract, his rights will still belong to DC United when the half day, half day trade window occurs. So it might be a chance to, to move him and get, you know, a token draft pick or, or something in exchange. Um, There could be some other moves to, to shore up roster spots. There's also trading immediately after the draft. Uh, Jason mentioned that if 
Darren Maddox isn't protected, we could see Cincy take him either for themselves or to trade to someone else. If you remember way back in ancient history, that's how DC United got Dax McCarty. FC Dallas left him unprotected when Portland was coming into the league and uh, the Timbers selected him presumably with a prearranged trade to DC United for Rodney Wallace, because that trade was announced very quickly. I think maybe even before the end of the expansion draft. Um, so there's, there's definitely a precedent for those kind of machinations. So you but could see DC United. Now. Yeah. Less and less. Now there's fewer players like back, back then there were two teams selecting 10 players each, as opposed to one selecting five players from a limited subset of the league. But uh, there, there's still some fun to be had, I think. Uh, yeah, especially if you could just watch uh, new MLS, new people new to MLS uh, goof things up, like uh, happened has happened in some previous uh, drafts of drafts. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yes. I, I believe there was the drafting of which draft you get priority right. order in. And then Christ messed it up. Yeah, I believe Jason Christ submitted something incorrectly, and 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 he, dra- he drafted the wrong thing that he didn't want. Yeah, yeah, like he drafted um, like wa- waiver priority before anything else. It's just like, oh no, right? And and it was immediately like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. And he's like, well, you right. did it already. He's like, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why Orlando City is on the trajectory they are. That decision, that mistake, it started. Right that was when he was NYCFC, I think. Oh, you're right. Well, Orlando said he clearly took the draft of drafts too seriously. His curse remains. Jason Christ is cursed, just like Adrian Heath. Yeah, it it transfers with him wherever he goes now. Uh, Next question, Gregory Koch, at Gregory Gregory A. Koch on Twitter, asks us what we think about bringing a goat petting zoo to Audi Field like the Hartford Yard Goats have. Now, I'll just point out it makes sense for a team called the Yard Goats to have goats on site. I mean, if DC United you, wanted to have even a raccoon really petting pet zoo, I mean, an eagle. No, you, you don't <laughs> no, want to pet buzzards no. or eagles. Or any, I mean, any bird of prey is really. If you're going to go pet one, that's hazardous. Uh, good, good luck to you, is what I would say. That said, if you are going to pick a raptor to pet, my money is on owls. They're very fluffy. Good way to get your hand clawed off. <laughs> um. Raccoon petting zoo, maybe. I've seen they're, videos they're, of they're domesticated mean, they, raccoons. They, but they kill uh, chickens, and I don't know. They're still mean. I mean, some of them are, but they, you can domesticate a raccoon. There's a reason. I mean, this is my whole thing about exotic pets. Is like, there's a reason cats and dogs are have been domesticated for thousands upon thousands of years. Don't domesticate anything else. Just, just. Chill with cats and dogs. I think Adam is trying to dodge the prospect of a goat petting zoo. <laughs> and that's I, I would have gotten really away with it too. Where do you want the goat petting zoo? I guess that's my. I don't. My Why are where you putting in the this stadium? Um, Adam specifically, where it's should floating, it, floating in the Anacostia? It has to be put somewhere. It could be put directly next to your seats. Uh, in the Heineken bar else. area. Uh. All right. If I have to pick a spot, uh, there's, I I guess by the the main entrance behind like section one hundred one. Okay. Uh, it kind of where the stroller parking is. Okay. Which isn't great because I always have to go there because we take a stroller to the games. Um, 
but yeah, that makes the most sense, probably. Either that or at the the southern end of the stadium, the southeastern corner, there's also some dead space there, um, which would make sense. That probably makes even more sense because it's not a place where people have to walk. So, so you're thinking that the Adam Taylor Memorial uh, Goat Petting Zoo uh, would, Damn it. would be in the southwest corner of the stadium? Um, I, I'm. You don't even have a problem with its memorial. <laughs> That's what you should really be alarmed about. <laughs> is that you have passed somehow in the process of this happening? Uh, oh yeah, the goats, are, the, goats like, gonna, the goats are going to eat him. I yeah, mean, that's obvious. Adam's first <laughs> concern is still like no more goats. Whether I live or die, no more goats. Accurate. <laughs> if I am die, if I die and I'm eaten by goats, however, I insist instead of just a, a moment of uh, silence, I would prefer a, a minute of applause before the game. And if a it's goats that, that take. If it's goats that take me out, uh, one of them possibly being sacrificed on the field. I'm not going to demand that, but I'm going to ask you, you guys to consider revenge, it. But you're not demanding revenge. Correct. I'm asking you kindly to avenge me. We'll take it under advisement. <laughs> That's. I mean, we'll send it to I'm, the if I'm dead, I can't make demands. <laughs> Unless it turns out that I can haunt your ass, in which case I will. <laughs> Uh, let, let's do, let's see, uh, a couple more questions. Paris Aralifis asks us, does Steve Birnbaum have a future with the U S men's national team? That one seems like a no. Nah, I don't think I mean, so. If he has another year where maybe he's even better than he was this year, uh, maybe, but it doesn't, it seems like this year was kind of the realistic ceiling for him. Um, yeah. If he has a defender of the year, type season um next year he might be able to get back into consideration but he's getting it's getting to the point now where there's um there's players younger than him that that are probably viewed with a higher ceiling and that that are you know playing better even now so it's it's tough to make an argument for him We'll, we'll find out very quickly if he has any real shot at it because basically when uh Bragg Gerhalter or whatever the new coach's <laughs> name ends up being um, when that person makes their for, has their first camp. If he's not in it, then the answer is no. Um, that this will be um, pretty much if it's not now, it's not going to happen. Speaking of Beg Gerhalter, I'm already pretty mad about how Will Trap will always get calls or, and or starts over Russell Knauss under Beg's leadership. And it, it, I'm already mad about it. Well, that was happening under Dave Sarakin too. So who we were uh, mad about that? <laughs> yeah, it's true. We were. We're, we're going to stay mad. Uh, in putting out the uh, the request for questions, apparently uh, the door was open to demands as well. We have one person, Chris Barnes, demanding a shrubbery. What do we have to say to this demand? I mean, uh, Adam's good at shrubs. Do you want some uh, a uh, vinegar-based cocktail mixer? Yeah, I'll mix you a drink. Uh, you should accept if I, if I ever meet you. Accept this shrubbery. Don't don't hold out for a physical uh, outdoor plant shrubbery. Just accept this one. <laughs> that that's that's our. We're not going to give you a different shrubbery. Um, no. I'm definitely not. Anyway, I'm not going to speak for the guys, but there's zero percent chance. There's no way. Last question, Tim Flesh. 
uh, at Tim underscore flesh. I love a good underscore username. Uh, asks, uh, will DC United buy Yamil Assad's option? And uh, a more open-ended question about what DC United will do this offseason. Uh, we have a lot of time to talk about that. So let's focus on the first part. Lightning round. Will yes. and should Assad's option, not his option, uh, yeah, his option to buy, uh, permanently yes. extend his loan. Will will that happen? Yes. Yes. Uh, and yeah. it really, really should. It's not a lot of money. It's only, um, uh, apparently, it's only about 700000 Um, which for a player of Assad's quality, yeah, you, you do that. Uh, yeah. Don't overthink this one. Don't let it get complicated. Just do it. Easy decision. I agree. Thank you all for listening uh, to to the show. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster if you like what you heard. Even if you don't like what you heard and you just want to you know, throw some money around, um, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> we won't say no. Um, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu for the website. Emails to uh, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud the internet archive wherever you get your podcasts ratings and reviews uh, I, i'm told are helpful i think we might be niche enough that i'm not going to press you too hard Adam, to test don't the do theory. it the seo matters <laughs> apple podcast is listening they will they will flail us if we don't say reviews matter well, we're never going to make the top DC-based soccer yes, podcast list now. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned about our list placing. Apparently, they're skinning us alive as well, literally. Um, mostly, though, I think the thing I'm more concerned about is please mention us. Tell us, tell a friend when you're talking about soccer or DC United. Tell them about the show. Um, Tell them about our, our advice on taking live turkeys to Thanksgiving, which I stand by that that I think it was a question, but somehow it turned into a, a position I was advocating. And I'm I'm just gonna run with it. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam and we'll talk at you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Don't fail me, Apple. The boy said, My name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're gonna regret because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards.